0: Welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, directed by David Fincher, starring Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm actually the uh, the non-expert today because oh, I'm joined with with Juzo Greenwood. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, good, Cameron. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've watched this film now twice this week, plus the Swedish version, so... Oh my I've goodness! Been, my entire world has been dragon tattoo related this last week. You are actually the expert
0: because this is my first time seeing it. So yeah, this is one and of then, the few
1: Finchers you haven't seen, right?
0: Yeah. So, so I was just going to say that that's my only Fincher now that I that I haven't seen except for Alien Three. I've seen everything else. You got to see um, Alien Three, my man. So I mean, I know, I know that's um, lauded okay. in his in his catalog, but no, I I am interested to see Alien Three. It was, and I was supposed to watch it uh, this month, but it, this month got kind of crazy for me, so <laughs> yeah, I uh, I did not end up uh, going back to it and vi- revisiting it, but um, or visiting it for the first time, I guess. So. But uh, other than that, this like rounds out, this c- totally completes my catalog of Fincher movies. And if you take into consideration that he did disown Alien 3, you know.
1: <laughs> all the things he's <laughs> stood behind? Yeah, it's true. Including Mindhunter, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and and that's that's a good point, too, because I've watched um, basically all, I, I watched like seasons one through four or five of House of Cards, and then- um,
1: I don't think that counts. Uh,
0: well, you know, uh, but he, d- and he directed then,
1: a few episodes in the first season.
0: Yeah, and then all of of Mindhunter. So I, I'm pretty much uh, a a scholar of Fincher. Um, have you seen his music seen videos
1: though? You gotta. You, there's about 90 no. music videos. Yeah, I guess, before. I Aliens. guess that's the. Uh, <laughs> I have an. <actually laughs> that's the next plunge. There's some cool ones though, like the Freedom uh, George Michael. That's a cool mu- music video, and he's got some cool ones with Madonna. Talented yeah, no,
0: I'm, I'm sure I, I, um, I bet his musicals or music videos would just be amazing. Um, just his visual style and like rhythm, his rhythm of, of his shots, which I think we'll probably talk about in, in this movie, but sure. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you, have you been watching anything other than, than <laughs> dragon tattoo related
1: media <laughs> this uh, week? Yeah. A few things, um, what did we watch for a film club? I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh, I rewatched After Hours, which is a Scorsese movie, which is, I, I think, kind of, I would consider it third tier Scorsese. You know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's it's the highest level. It's it's a very minor film. But, I mean, third tier Scorsese is still pretty damn stylish and pretty exciting and fun. I mean, it's basically just a movie about a guy who's desperately trying to get home and getting it's it's almost like kind of a kafka-esque uh, nightmare but it's but it's a fun mm. movie i would definitely recommend and and um if you're looking for something scorsese that's not as hardcore as kind of just goofy and fun i think it's pretty enjoyable um and my dad and i also saw this movie called the heartbreak kid um yesterday at pfa this is a movie by elaine may who's sort of had a recent resurgence as an auteur a respected auteur in the last few years but this is a very hard movie to find and and in fact, it's so rare that the print rewatched it, PFA, literally had Swedish subtitles because it was the only copy <laughs> they could find of any oh, quality. Wow. Um, yeah. But it was a very, I, I never, obviously never seen it. It's, it's Charles Grodin and it's May's daughter, Jeannie Berlin, uh, Sybil Shepard. Very, very funny movie. I think it's the sort of thing you would enjoy, like funny, but in a in a very, um, I don't know, sort of like a very cutting sense of humor. Um, what is it called? the heartbreak kid and uh, not to be confused with okay. the remake Ben Stiller made in like Oh sevens is from 1972. Got it, got it, got it. You can watch it in a very poor, you know, uh, version on YouTube. It's basically the only place to watch. It. I think a pharmaceutical company owns the rights. It's one of these weird movies that sort of <laughs> the rights slip through the cracks and then it becomes unavailable to the public unless you, you watch it on YouTube, which is kind of unfortunate, yeah. but I hope, I hope at some point criterion steps in cause it's, it's, it's a fun movie. Um, the other movie I was just going to mention, and I think it might even warrant us doing a episode about this, or you know, maybe on my uh, YouTube channel, um, the new film "Blonde," which is about Marilyn Monroe. And um, we watched an Andrew Dominic movie, I think, right? The uh, assassination of Jesse James. We
0: which, did, yeah.
1: Um, did you like that? You like that, right? I think I did. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I think I think that's a terrific movie. And he's made a few uh, other. Um, he made knew another movie with Brad Pitt called Killing Them Softly and also um, a couple of these documentaries with Nick Cave. Anyway, so this is a movie he, ma- he just made with Ana de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. Really, I would say kind of the other than Spielberg and Chazelle's movie, the movie I was most looking forward to the rest of the year. Um, and I have to say, um, I'm a yeah, very mixed place about my opinions. And I still... Um, it's sort of like in the Clockwork Orange situation where I feel like I need to watch it again, but I really am not looking forward to watching it again. And Clockwork Orange, mm-hmm. I think, I think is pretty unambiguously at least a good movie. I, I don't think there's any, I think, I think it's flawed, but I think there's, um, it's definitely successful in what it's trying to do. I think Blonde, in some ways, is a very, very flawed movie and very, um, like, dull and overwritten in parts but more than anything is is just incredibly disturbing and upsetting to watch and i don't mean that aspect of it as a criticism um but it just makes me a little reticent to watch it again because i mean sure having watched clockwork orange a week before i would say this film is far more disturbing far far wow. more disturbing um for i mean a litany of reasons <clears throat> but um yeah it was like i like walked out of the movie very shaken by it um and Anna de Armas is extraordinary, even though she kind of doesn't look exactly like Marilyn. And obviously she doesn't sound like her. It's a, it's a great performance. It's, it's kind of like an athletic performance in, in some ways, mm-hmm. because I was watching her and it was like, I, I've rarely seen an actor in a movie like give so much of themselves and be so emotionally. It's, it's a film of a person who is basically in an emotional anguish for two hours and 40 minutes. I think that's part of what makes it upsetting on top of the actual uh, content of the movie. Um, so it's not a movie I'd recommend. In fact, it's a movie I would I would advise um, almost. I've been t- telling people almost like a PSA: like be very. This movie, if you see on Netflix, it will look like a nice biopic. It will look like something you know your grandma mm-hmm. might want to watch. It is the furthest thing from it, and do right, not right, get right. fooled into watching it for that reason. But if you're interested in seeing something that's that's very out there and very um, experimental, I think it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, there's a lot of things I commend about it, um, but it's a very challenging piece of work. So I, I, it's, it's something I'd recommend with extreme trepidation, and and also having said, I don't think it's. There are movies that are disturbing, you know, like The Requiem for a Dream. Movies I, I watch that are disturbing, but successful. I don't think this is really a successful movie. In fact, it's probably, I think, pretty easily the least I've enjoyed any of Dominic's movies. Um, but in a way, I'm mm. still eager to to uh, engage with it just because of how challenged i was by it and how um kind of daring a piece of filmmaking it was so in some ways i'm I'm curious to hear your take on it if we do it for a review or something and i think of anyone i know you're probably one of the few people who would because you you uh, any movie where there's beautiful cinematography and immense misery i always live like cameron <laughs> will probably enjoy this uh so <laughs> i'm like you're my best bet because you know there's no way i'm getting my parents to watch yeah. that's for sure
0: well, yeah, I mean, I was I was obviously um, interested in this sort of from the get-go, um, just knowing that it's, you know, Ana de Armas and Andrew Dominic. I liked, you know, the other film that I watched of his. Um, and, it, you know, it sort of had this uh, mystique cloud surrounding it with the, you know, the NC-17 rating and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else uh, was, was kind of going on behind the scenes. But um, I... You know, I wonder if that rating is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but, um, I wonder if that rating is going to steer people away on Netflix or is going to sort of make people a little bit more curious. Um, I know, I know.
1: In fact, even me giving these warnings, I think I like, I only told the, the film club, I know at least Kurt was like, hey, now I don't know. I want to see this more, you know, cause it just sounds like so yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't. The thing about the ratings, I'm not really sure how Netflix advertises their ratings on movies. Because I remember when <coughs> Gaspar Noe's movie have Love right was next, on there.
0: Well, I think they had. The, I think Gaspar Noe's movie was unrated. Um, oh, and, oh, that's true.
1: That's true. And so yeah.
0: I think they actually do have the rating right next to the movie. Um yeah, For, they for
1: everything, it's, it's not as pro- it's not like more prominent than the R rating. Like the ratings are just sort of. I mean, I think there are people who are, I mean, there's definitely people who are going to be like, want to see the salaciousness of the movie. It is not a movie where um, you could, uh, I mean, like, there are certain movies where there's like, uh, uh, how how do I say this? Rape is used to titillate, I guess that's what I would say. And Mm -hmm. um, this is a movie where... I remember when Mick reviewed uh, Large Frontier's Nymphomaniac, he said this movie will put you off of sex for like a month or a year. Right, um, right, right. and I and I after I walked out of this movie, I was like, I understand what he means because this mm-hmm. movie was, was incredibly disturbing in that in that regard. Um, and I say that as a person who's not normally disturbed by that sort of thing in movies. I mean, or not like upset by it in that sort of way. Um, but yeah, unfortunately I think people are gonna be either Watching it because oh, it's Marilyn Monroe. I'm sure this is lovely. Or people who are going to be like, ooh, this is Anna De Armas, you know. But it's like if you want to see Anna De Armas in like some kind of kinky, you know, movie, just watch Deep Water. I mean, Deep Water is a much is like a fun erotic thriller uh, by a very elderly former king of the erotic thriller, Adrian line Also, a fun Ben Affleck movie. Um, I mean, it's a stupid movie, but it's that's that's if you're if, if you're looking for that kind of, you know, whatever, uh, just watch that. That's that's the fun version. Um, right, this is right, not right. this is not a titillating fun movie in, in any way,
0: yeah. Well, I would I would say that this kind of plays into the conversation that we might have, um, regarding this movie a little bit, um, a little bit, yeah. just in in, in some of the, you know, obviously this is an R rated movie, but I would say a pretty hard R in in certain <laughs> cases. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think a lot of the conversation surrounding girl with a Tra- dragon tattoo, as I remember it, because this movie came out in 2011, mm-hmm. I was in high school. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was sort of, it was sort of a salacious, uh, type of movie and, t- and a salacious book at the time too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, you know, the English version, the English translated version, I think came out in 2008. Um, so people were still, it was the sort book, of yeah. cir- circulating around the time. And, um, you know, a lot of the conversation around this movie was like about the, the, you know, the, the rape in this movie, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of very, uh, I guess, very famous, um, in Mm. almost the defining feature of the movie, which is, which is odd to me now seeing it because, um, well, we'll get into it more, but, um, it's, it's, it's actually kind of a minor part of, (laughs) of what the movie is as a whole. Um, I I think it's what, go
1: ahead.
0: Well, it has, um, it colors the rest of the movie in, in some ways, but, but it, 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 in, to me it's a, it's an odd um kind of like side story when it really mm-hmm. comes to the movie mm-hmm. uh, it's not something that is um yeah narratively that actually, is somewhat yeah I- instrumental to um you know either the character or the um the the story in that way, um uh, mm-hmm. which which I found to be pretty interesting. But um, you know, before we get into that, I do have to plug our Okay Patreon. Well, I was just
1: gonna say one more thing about Blonde, which is that I think that's part of what separates Blonde from a movie like The Girl with the Giant Tattoo. Or also I think The Last Duel is another movie that's dealt with oh, yeah. deals with this subject matter very, very um intelligently. Um which is that I think when you have something disturbing in a movie I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure there are counter examples to this where a movie is just full of anguish throughout. But I think often at its best, you utilize those things, those emotional um, low points um, very carefully and you utilize them sparingly through a movie and they resonate further. And I think actually in the same way that if you made a, um, a film that was all action sequence even Mad Max Fury Road which you think of as all action sequences that's a movie where there's action in it then it slows down he understands the rhythm of and if it was constant action it would become like white noise in your in your mind watching it and like I think ambulance <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah actually yes 100% ambulance <laughs> does have that problem because it, it's really cool early and then you, you it just becomes uh it flat lines um but Blonde, I feel like, is the emotional version of that, where it's not like she's literally being assaulted for two hours and 40 minutes, but the the, the anguish of that movie is kind of at the, the same point throughout. And it kind of, in a way, it feels like it dilutes her character, or like the depth he could have gone to in terms of exploring her. And actually, when compared to Jesse James, another movie that's a, a great examination of an iconic American figure um, and kind of a... a You know deconstruction of that iconography that film is so powerful in the way it it sparingly shows the inner anguish of its main character Mm -hmm. very very sparing only occasional moments where you see that emotion come out but i think it's all the more powerful because of the way he does that um and i think blonde i don't know i think it's a little it lacks a little bit of that discipline um that um jesse james has and that i think the dragon tattoo has as well
0: Mm. yeah um, well, I just want to say I, I have watched basically nothing, um, nothing to report over oh, here. Okay. So, you know, no I, uh, I, I've been so busy. Um, it's, it's kind of been insane. Uh, but yeah, you've, you've I, I, excuse. Yeah. I, I was abs- Like I said, I was obsessed with Breaking Bad last week. I, I started watching Barry, um, mm. and, uh, you know, loved that, but I had a really busy weekend and i did not get to do anything during the week. So, Mm -hmm. um, I have no, I have consumed basically no media at all this week. (laughs) So, um, you know, you know how that goes. Yeah, Uh, but, um, again, this is cinema spectator. You can support us at patreoncom slash ECSF productions, and you can get access to bonus content. Um, all of the commentaries that we have done before. Um, you can also, uh, Get your questions read on air, um, and we do that um, when you write in questions, so please do. Um, If you don't have anything, uh, it's all good. We would just appreciate a rating on iTunes um, and a review. Also, tell friends and family. That is how the show grows. Now. Let's jump into "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo." I sort of did a little bit of a preamble in terms of, I guess, just what I remember about the the when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know who Fincher was at the time, but um, to me, this movie was like the oh, like rape movie, you know. And there's there's a certain amount oh, of huh. like niche stigma. Um, the, the, it, it was like an infamy about this movie, where mm-hmm. um, the, the this was like. You know, you had stories of people being like, oh, yeah, me and my parents saw this movie, <laughs> you know, without knowing. During Christmas, uh, too. That's what came out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think in, in some ways um, this is an, an interesting example because social network, I think – um, definitely has become a uh, a classic and and has mm-hmm. sort of st- st- stood the test of time. I think it was nominated for best picture that year, right? Um yeah, and
1: should have won. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and it was you know it it had a um, it had a certain sense of of gravitas with it. I'm not I'm not entirely sure of the numbers um, if it was you know very successful or not. And then you know before that, Benjamin Button was a um also kind of a phenomenon at the time. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember, but there was a certain um I don't know, it was it was kind of a weird cult movie in in a lot of ways. It was but a it,
1: prestige it, movie, too. I mean, it was his first yeah. Oscar nomination and um a nominated for a bunch of Oscars.
0: Um but but this movie when it came out, I just remember it being extremely scandalous, um and, and kind of it, it had, it had a poor reputation, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my mind, I mean, I, I knew that, uh, it didn't do well because obviously there were no sequels. Um, and the, the movie is based on a book, um, that, came, you know, the, the book came out and the author actually died. He died um, before it came out. Yeah. Before yeah. it came out. Um, and so then afterwards, um, Another author picked up sort of the mantle of of that book series and continued it along with, I think, two other books. Right? Um, uh, I'm not sure. As far as I know, the details about that. But, um, and you know, like I said, this movie, um, did extremely poorly. Um, it it was, I would say, a a pretty big flop. Um, maybe the well, biggest of of um Fincher's career. I don't know if that um, is that
1: really a flop though, because we were just talking about that off mic. It had that, a
0: forty it it did forty million box office and it had a no, 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 million two, 240 million. Oh, Oh two hundred forty. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so I mean
1: I think it was it was it underperformed. I don't think it was a, it was not a bomb, but it was yeah. I'm sure it was not um what they were hoping for. And I know I know like Rudy well, it Mara didn't, it was didn't really was it didn't bury for, yeah.
0: <laughs> it didn't bury Fincher um, in that way. No, uh, no, I mean, it's fine, but, but, uh, you know, which, uh, a, a lot of times a flop, um, you know, kind of ends, ends a, a filmmaker's career. Um, mm. but in, in his case, you know, this was kind of just an underperformance. Um, but to me, I can understand why it didn't do so well with general audiences. Um, for one, I think other than the sort of, salaciousness of it um there's to me it's kind of a complicated story um Mm -hmm. and and i would say word of mouth wise it's not something that you would sort of um I don't know. It's not it's not necessarily something that you would recommend to sort of the average Joe. (laughs) Well,
1: the 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 sexual assault aspect of the movie and also, you know, it's a disturbing movie about murder and whatever. Those aspects of the movie hold it back from some word of mouth, I think, just initially, because there's a certain people who are just not going to see a movie about that. Though I have to say, I showed my mom the clip of Plummer describing the whole mystery and she went from being completely disgusted by the movie to <laughs> wanting to watch it immediately. So yeah, maybe that's yeah. just the key: is you got to you got to show just a little bit of how good it is. Um, but I think I think that aspect of it definitely stigmatized it when it came out. I think the other aspect we should also point out is you know this is a film, uh, American remake of a Swedish movie or, or a new adaptation. Only two years after this uh, Swedish yeah. film, and that was a a significant big movie that 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 Swedish version with Numi Rapace and uh, Michael Nyquist that that one is um, I, I don't know if it was a massive hit but for a foreign language movie it was definitely a big hit in the states and so that right. memory of that movie was very uh, significant in people's minds and even people who I know who I mean, like my dad who really um, loved David Fincher are sort of Bocked at the you know the american remake of a foreign movie is kind of the lowest form of of cinema and most of these things when they come out it's just like well wh- what's the point of this you know just because people don't want to read subtitles it just seems very <laughs> kind of low down and i think this is this movie is yeah. probably one of the very very few exceptions where in my opinion um the the american the english language one uh, is is the superior film? When that's almost never the case. But I think a lot of people are like, "Well, we just saw the story. We know what happens." And they're very, very similar story wise. Um, they're pretty close to identical. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, we just saw this." You know, I saw the Fincher one first, though. So I assume you haven't seen the Swedish one. So it also no, helps not to not see much. the Fincher one first, I think. But I, I do think the style and the, the technique and the construction of it is 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 kind of undeniable. Um, yeah well it, I mean that's that's a really
0: interesting aspect too because um and I was gonna mention that this the Swedish version they actually did continue to make the um mm-hmm. oh, the sequels right. as well yeah. um and so I, I I think I think there is some debate amongst the uh <laughs> I guess the the you know folks of of the cinema um mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of people kind of are in that, Like, why would they make an American remake uh, Mm -hmm. portion of the audience where, you know, Mm -hmm. they're they're like, oh, you know, the Swedish version is is great. You know, it's like it is. And it
1: is a good movie. I mean, I just watched it having just watched the Fincher one. And I was like, this is a pretty solid thriller. I mean, it's not bad. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah.
0: But but I and I I wonder why um, I don't know necessarily the story of why, you know, Fincher decided to do it. Um, i assume it's because he really liked the story um and he wanted to um
1: he wanted it is an to, odd move to, after the social well, network success
0: yeah. right i mean he, he I, I assume it's because he was passionate about about the story someone you know someone offered him to to do a an american remake of this movie that was a success um you know internationally and he said yeah let's do it you know i i i assume that's the only reason why um fincher decided to do it but but other than that i mean it's a it's a very strange kind of the thing is it's it it really is as a movie you know by itself it is a totally within the context of of fincher movies like this fits right in you know it it is 100 mm. um tone and uh you know even just like that the attitude of the movie you know there's mm-hmm. a certain like uh punk aesthetic to it there's uh you know there's just this this cold kind of lifeless um like aesthetic all Mm -hmm. uh, you know all over this yeah yeah, uh, yeah exactly and and so like it is a fincher movie um it is deeply a fincher movie um but it's just an odd choice for him as sort of an auteur um given this chance to to you know remake a movie based on a book that's already, you know, the movie's already been made a couple years earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, it's like an old boy, Spike Lee old boy situation, you know, which is (laughs) never, never a great idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I actually think that old boy, just to stump for Spike a little bit, I don't think that his old boy is so terrible, but it's certainly (laughs) nowhere close to the Park (laughs) Shen Wook one. Um, Well, but, but it is, I mean,
0: it is a classic, I don't know if it was at the time, but it is a classic Hollywood trope. Of the remaking. remaking a a foreign language movie, you know, in English and doing it pretty poorly, <laughs> you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I know, um, I know. I have some some directors who I really like, where it's like, you know, you're like, what are they doing next? Oh, they haven't made a movie in a while. Oh, they're remaking some Swedish movie. You know, that's usually is a very very bad sign. Right. But you know, with Fincher, the guy almost never misses. I mean, and almost always is great. Um, and I think, I don't know. I I just think this movie is, is absolutely terrific. Um, yeah, well, are we going to talk about it in a way where we like talk a little and then get into spoilers? Because I think we definitely need to talk about spoilers at some point.
0: I just want to sort of go over a little bit of the story before we get into spoilers. I think, mm-hmm. I, I would say this movie kind of has to be spoiled to talk about it in any meaningful way. So I I, mm-hmm. I want to get that out of the way kind of early um well, and we we've well, been we've been a little bit vague um so far i mean i know we've talked a, a, about the sort of rape uh but that's that's not i think that's like in the popular knowledge about this movie it's um, pretty
1: early in the movie too i i think yeah we we've talked a little generally just our overall takes and then then just give a big warning because i mean this is a movie like the social network who really cares if that's spoiled this is a right, movie exactly, where there's a lot exactly. of twists and turns it's, it's pretty exciting if you haven't seen it yeah uh, but um, yeah if you want to give your synopsis you can go ahead
0: yeah I will, I will, so the movie follows kind of two parallel stories that eventually converge and and meet up um the first story that you are introduced to is a a journalist who's um just sort of uh gotten hit with a big libel case um and is kind of disgraced in the um in the scene. Uh, and, you know, he has some supporters on his side, but for the most part, he's, he's kind of uh, put in a very awkward situation now that he's been sort of outed
1: as, it, you know, this person who lies basically. Um, but by, by, by this, he tried to go take down this businessman basically. And then, yeah, basically it was uh, the, the guy, the businessman won in court. Yeah. Um,
0: and he's hired by sort of a third party entity, um, to investigate the, um, disappearance and presumed murder of a, um, you know, that had happened sort of, I think, what is it, like 40 years ago? 40
1: years ago, yeah.
0: Um, uh, by this sort of wealthy, um, y- you can tell he's, it's like this elite, uh, business family. Um, mm-hmm. they're kind of mysterious in what they actually do a little bit, but, um, you know, for the most part, they, they're established as, as this sort of legacy family who, you know, is very wealthy, um, and has a lot of, uh, very broken pieces to it. Um, it's a complicated family, uh, history, complicated family relationships that are all kind of, um, taken into consideration, um, in the movie. But, uh, you know, when it's introduced, um, you know, he's given this opportunity that is basically it's it's pretty much once in a lifetime. I mean, this is like a saving grace to, to this mm-hmm. guy who's, you know, been kicked out almost of the, the journalistic community. Yeah, it's kind um, of an
1: olive branch for him. And it's also an opportunity to kind of stay away from Stockholm and stay away from the. You know uh, all the attention of what this libel case means, and also the guys offering him a ton of money, and also you know the possibility of information on the on the businessman as well.
0: Right, which um, is kind of what he cares about the most. Um, yes, but, that's true. Um, so uh, he he starts to investigate, and um, things are kind of. Um, a little bit shadier than he might have intended uh, or m- might have expected um and then the the second sort of parallel story that is going on at the same time is with someone who has actually uh been investigating him from the opposite side from this um you know businessman side um and uh, who has kind of taken an interest into into his going goings- on um and she's established as as being sort of a savant um, investigator hacker um, sort of mm-hmm. all-around um, unsavory person when it comes to finding out information
1: um, and also it, kind of a social outcast as well um, yes
0: yeah. um yeah and she she's um you know, Kind of classically, she has this this very punk look. Um, she's not very presentable. They don't really want her in the in the office at all. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, her work speaks for itself, so um, so they keep her around. Um, and it it's it's weird because I think as Americans, and it's it is set in Sweden. Um, mm-hmm. So as as Americans, there's there's certain things that they don't really. Um, you know, it's, it's like it being set in Sweden, um, it doesn't, doesn't give you necessarily the, the context of, of certain things. Like I Mm. didn't really get that she, so it being, she, she is a ward of the state, um, which means she has to check in, I guess, um, Mm. with, with a with her, guardian quote-unquote
1: guardian even though she's like 23
0: right uh, right right um who, which is something the guardian that,
1: controls her finances and whatever yeah
0: yeah and it, it, it's something that is kind of um i i assume people who are swedish kind of understand what what this means uh but as americans we don't really have that sort of same system so it's it's a little bit difficult difficult to to kind of understand what's going on at 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 first uh but you Mm -hmm. kind of get it over over you know the course of um a couple scenes but um she eventually is able to to get a little bit of freedom from her uh guardianship Mm -hmm. and um she ends up being um well i guess introduced collaborating with yeah yeah um and and collaborating with um with blomkist um and, and they, they end up sort of teaming up with, with her oh. investigative skills and his sort of general journalistic flair, um, to, to figure out what this, um, uh, what happened to this, uh, missing person and, and they mm-hmm. end up sort of piecing together that this is a, um, well, a serial whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Right, what, well okay. Yeah, fine. Whatever. Well,
0: well, I mean, I, I think that's, that's kind of important. Um, that's fair <laughs> Um, there, there's. They end up finding out that this is more. There's more than just this one killing. Um, there's yes, yes. There's, there's different things going on uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm. that no one it's has very, put together before.
1: It's, it's quite odd how the you know them that aspect of them teaming up. I think doesn't occur until like over an hour into the movie and and yeah. it speaks to the oddness of the structure which which Fincher and and the writer Steve Azalian have talked about as a, basically a five act rather than a three act structure. It's 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 a sort of um it, it It's just an unusual movie in terms of in terms of the way it's structured. It almost feels like, um I remember you talking about this about the Dark Knight, how it feels like a miniseries in one movie. And I feel <laughs> yeah. like this this movie has is so full of incident and full of sort of uh, filling in character and really just like getting having you live with the characters for a while before they even sort of come together that it feels the way a TV show uh, would be now. And I almost wonder if this was made nowadays i mean actually it's i think it's pretty certain if it was made nowadays it would have been a miniseries i think maybe could have been almost to its benefit because i think there could have been uh there's something to be said for this movie um lacking the ability to do some of the things that mindhunter does which is Mm -hmm. show a little bit more of the day in the life and the kind of um uh the characters going about their you know more mundane activities and mundane relationships um which i think is is to the benefit of that i mean really mind It's it's kind of weird that tv doesn't take advantage of that basically the one benefit that the long form has <laughs> most tv it's like they cram it with this crap and it's horrible and it's just you know uh, irksome but but other than vince gilligan fincher seems like he's one of the only ones who understands the um the depth you can do with a with long form but i think it's i think it still works as a two hour two and a half hour movie um
0: yeah well and i would say um it is interesting because the the most i guess the most sort of riveting parts of the movie are when they're when they're sort of working together and piecing piecing out um what's actually happening and you know it it's funny because when they're quote unquote working together they're like working in their own isolated uh jobs but mm-hmm. together you know for the same goal and so they have mm-hmm. this um you know there's there's this great mo- montage sort of towards the end of the movie where um they're they're both basically coming to the same conclusion um but going about it very differently. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, I find that to be a really interesting use of, of that sort of investigative genre. Um, And it's something that he, you know, not exactly, but I think he's, he's, you know, in Zodiac, he was exploring the piecing together of information in a really um, unique and interesting way. And I think he uses Mm -hmm. that sort of, um, it's much more condensed in this movie, I would say, but um, he he uses that skill of giving you little tidbits and little hints of information um, mm-hmm. and sort of making you uh, – giving this uh, d- breadcrumb trail so that you're picking up the pieces along the way. Um, and I don't know. I, I find it to be very um, – almost only – him can do it. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen another director who has the same ability to, to, to make a thriller in that sort of broken down informational way.
1: He, he can, there's others who can do it, um, uh, at out, a out certain, you know, pretty good quality, but he's probably one of the only ones who he, he, and uh, I think of Elson Spielberg as being, two of the best at showing process, showing just mm-hmm. like the procedure of the gathering. I mean, this is one of the things I actually, even like the post I enjoy. I think even you enjoy this part of the post where it's, it's just the like only part. Yeah, <laughs> the, the details, all the details, the information, the, you know how someone gets from this place to this place. And Fincher is so good at that in all of his different, uh, he's done I mean, quite a few investigative uh, thrillers. And I think that's part of why it's, I think the label or the, the sort of um, salacious a reputation the film had maybe at the time, or for anyone who hasn't seen it, I think is it's accurate that those aspects are in the movie and are very uh, upsetting and disturbing. But I think it's it's reductive to um, label the movie in such a way because uh, while it's about those things and it, and uh, sexual assault and and rape are a are a huge a- aspect of the movie and not just those scenes, um, but there's um, you know this movie is is a lot of different genres. It's hitting a lot of different uh, things. I enjoy movies from like, you know, mystery to like the, uh, you know, a family with a bunch of secrets to the whole, um, you know, it's kind of a buddy movie in some way or like, like an odd couple movie in a certain way. There's elements of romance. There's elements of tragedy. Um, I actually think this is really, um, I think it really might be the most emotionally affecting Fincher movie, which uh, I mean, I, adore david fincher but i wouldn't say his like i'm not watching the social network getting verklempt about uh you know uh edward or Savarin's, uh you know shares getting diluted <laughs> i think uh but this movie is is I, f- I find very very affecting um which the first time i saw it was kind of surprising and i think um he sort of shows a bit of himself as a filmmaker that I've, i feel like i've rarely seen before and and for as disturbing and dark and you know and it is a dark movie i think it's also uh, a surprisingly very sensitive movie and a very um not sweet you know, it's not sentimental but it is um there's an, there's an aspect it's weird to say like aspect of gentleness or an aspect of kind of um uh like heart to it that um that i really uh, find very very um, affecting in the movie and I'm I'm curious to find if you felt the same way. Um, I don't know if I did relative to
0: normal movies, <laughs> if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I sure. I did I did sense that in terms of um, uh, his own sort of film catalog. This is a much more um, p- uh, personality based movie. In in that um, they you sort of. You sense that um, this woman, um, L- Lisbeth, she has um, she has a lot of problems in her life. <laughs> let's just say, yeah. Um, yeah. and so when when she's given this opportunity to um, do something, a that is both interesting and and sort of g- uh, good on a general level, you know, solve this this murder, um, she, you know it's 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 interesting to see her sort of um come alive in that and 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 factor that there's the you know there's this um she it's like she wants to help someone else who's been in mm-hmm. sort of situations that she's been in um mm-hmm. and so there's there's the sense of of personal um investment into this this story that that she's mm-hmm. found um and then at the same time you know she she gets you know, somewhat emotionally involved with, uh, w- with Miguel. So, you know, there's, there's this sense that she is sort of dropping her, um, anti-socialness and dropping her, yes. um, mm. her, you know, I guess, um, the, all of the walls that she's built up, uh, over mm-hmm. the years, it's kind of coming down and, and she's allowing herself to be, um, uh, helpful <laughs> if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, and do something that yeah. she's actually you know that she cares about
1: mm-hmm. well before I mean before we like really break it open I mean do you, I think I've said my piece about what I think about this movie and I would to me it's like I would recommend this movie not only to well, I mean, the whole everyone thing is not really true because I literally wouldn't literally recommend it to everyone. <laughs> but in a way, I think it's 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 worth taking a chance, even if you think this would be disturbing. Because I'm like, it's so good. I'm almost like, you know, like just you know, if you need to, if you need to just skip something or if you need to close your eyes, I don't really condone that in general. But you know, I'm not. I don't want people to get like triggered or upset or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think it's. Um, I think the film, once you get to the end of it, is, is so satisfying that it's almost worth, um, you know, barreling through some of that stuff. And, you know, and I think it's okay if you need to, you know, take a break or whatever. Uh, I think it's worth it. I really think it's kind of the modern day. The movie reminds me a lot of is Chinatown and that kind of um, uh, mystery and a very convoluted story and the whole family with secrets, but also having kind of... Um, a compassionate but a little bit in over his head main character and an aspect of, of um, you know real uh, emotion and uh, by the end of it, um, it kind of reminds me of that. Though I don't have you even
0: seen Chinatown? No, I have. Uh, well, I started oh. it,
1: uh, but I I never finished it. Oh, we should, we should watch that sometime. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So this bottom line being, this is the you know I give it the highest of recommendations. If you know, just being knowing ahead that there's going to be some disturbing stuff.
0: Yeah, I would say I would caution people in terms of um just knowing that this is it, it, it tackles with not just sort of rape in its um you know in in the sense that, you know like a character is raped on screen, you know, so mm-hmm. you know, that's that's something to take into consideration. But it also Um, deals with sort of um, childhood abuse and, um, you know, even, you know, very dark elements in that way. Um, So Mm. it's not, it's not necessarily something to take lightly. And, and I understand Mm -hmm. if people are um, particularly disturbed with that. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying I would, I would, uh, recommend it to to everybody but for someone who has a sort of tolerance for that and who's able to to sort of you know not I, I wouldn't say set that aside but sort of deal with that personally um but there's there's but, uh, uh, oh god well they, i I would just say there's so much here um that is um i don't know i would say the the thriller aspect of it and sort of the, the undertones of the, um, the, the, the main sort of thrust of the story is, is just so it's so uh, compelling that I would say, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are interested in maybe, you know, true crime or interested in, in that sort of thing that um, this, this totally could be for them. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say this is like everybody's movie.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I guess no. Um, but it sounds like you, I mean, just in terms of your own opinion, you, you're pretty positive on it. You're yes. just yourself yes. putting aside yes. recommendations. Um, should we just be, yeah, let's, let's spoil it. Okay. Okay. Uh, where do we want to start with this?
0: Well, I think, um... I think let's talk about a little bit more about sort of the characters and, and maybe Lisbeth in in sort of her own um struggle. And I would say the maybe the thing that I um am least convinced by, and I don't think it's it's necessarily Fincher's fault. I think this is just the source material. Um mm. I mean, I don't know that I don't know that the rape was all that necessary. <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm. Um, in, in that, uh, the, I, it could be, it could be because it was made in 2005. Um, or the, you know, the book was written in, in 2005 and sort of, it had this, it had to be sort of over the top or, you know, it, it had to be like very serious. Um, but, but, but to me, um, oh, oh. Go, yeah, go ahead. E- even just j- the the situation in the office, um, the first time, is kind of enough to to trigger, um, like your own sort of, I guess, sympathy for for this character in a lot of ways. Um, so mm-hmm. i i don't know I don't know what the purpose of, um the the second
1: time was if that makes sense i will say okay so first thing i want to say is i think i think the the inclusion in the book actually it's what from what i read seems to come from a more sincere place um than it might seem because um i i recently read that that stig larson was when he was a child he was witness to some kind of rape or something like that something that really you know uh, stuck with him and, and haunted him. So I think that was, you know, something he wanted to put in the book for that reason. Um, but in terms of the, the 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 two different scenes, I mean, look, I would, of course, prefer to not, you know, watch <laughs> these. Things. I mean, like, it, it's, it's and I'd prefer to be able to, you know, just watch this movie with my mother and not have to worry about, you know, telling her to leave the room or whatever. But, I do think those scenes are are, are do have purpose. I mean, the, the whole thread with, but it is interesting because it is not narratively. It has nothing to do with the mystery. It's purely just having to do with her character. But I think it is important to see that stuff because at least in 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 terms of the con- construct of her character, because I think so movie so much of the movie is about um, is about her her guard and her sense of trust. I think trust Mm -hmm. in fact is just a theme of throughout the movie that's running through of a lot of the things, including the main mystery. Um, And I think the violation of that trust and her being taken advantage, taken advantage of that, of by a, by a guardian figure is obviously runs parallel to the stuff going on with Harriet. And I think also, but more than anything, it has to set up the idea of her as, as someone who's, incredibly self-protective and for good reason so when the moment comes that she lets that guard down with daniel craig once she that trust is sort of gained between them it it feels a very like a very significant moment because we've seen how much she has had to protect herself um and whether or not you know the two scenes you know is necessary i mean i don't know i mean i again it's like I guess you would have gotten the idea but I think I, I think there is something else to be said of um, in the second scene in, in the scene where she's raped that's a situation where she thinks she understands what's going to happen she's mm-hmm. she thinks yeah. she's in control of the situation and then very quickly is not cuz you know what you realize after is she's she was go- what she was thought she was going to do is record him Um, uh, I guess uh, filleting him in that scene. And then he like starts handcuffing her um, and quickly she's sort of uh, in a situation she didn't think she was going to be in. But I I think that also, you know, in in that way, um, also kind of parallels with what's going on with Harriet and that sort of thing and thinking you're out of something or thinking you have control of a situation or you understand what's going on and then suddenly you don't. And on uh, on top of all that, um, like the bo- best revenge movies, I think also the the brutality of what you see um, makes then the revenge that she gets on that guy um, you know so much uh even more satisfying than it would be Yeah. so i yeah. mean like i don't look i'm not going to begrudge anyone <laughs> for being like upset by that. i mean it is it's deeply upsetting deeply disturbing um sequence or both of those sequences are um but i think i don't find it to be gratuitous i don't find it to be um and i definitely don't find it to be like um titillating or any anything oh, like oh, that. No, yeah
0: no. I, think, no, I think i think it's I, and i would say um picture does a, a a good job um in uh i guess what he what he shows and what he doesn't show um mm-hmm. but i would i would say i mean as far as um rape sequences go it's it's a pretty um it's a pretty full-on rape sequence <laughs> like um, in that sure. way um and sure. you know i guess uh Yeah. So in, in that way, um, you know, no, it's not, it's not necessarily gratuitous and, and it's sort of, it's the, the good thing about it is it's over quickly and the revenge comes pretty quickly. Um, and so there is that, that sense with the audience of, of relief, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, even that scene though, Um, I think Fincher is, is smart about kind of, (laughs) there's some, um, there's some ambiguity there, I guess, uh, both morally and, um, in terms of, of what is, what is actually shown. Um, and, and there's a sense that, um, you're like, you know, you're a little grossed out by the revenge as well you know as oh, as much well. as not as much as the rape but you're you're sort of uh you're you're like oh it's intense it's you know intense. it's it's hard yeah, uh, yeah. it's hard to to, to watch um <laughs> as well mm. you know it's it's not it's not purely um a sequence of you know it's not like a tarantino yeah it's not Django
1: and shooting the guys at the end
0: um Um, there's there's a there's a darkness to that too and and i think that also builds up the the mystique of her character too because she Mm -hmm. she's someone who is a not uh not shy about what she's willing to do right um Mm -hmm. to to get back at people um and that that sort of plays in with with the final um you know the final secret about her that's that you know hadn't been told up to this point which is why she is a, That's right yeah a ward of the state um mm-hmm. you know it, and eventually it comes out in sort of um pillow talk almost it, it you know it comes out it kind that, of yeah that yeah. she's um she tried to murder her her father tried uh, to burn him alive yeah yeah and
1: um which by the way you get a little bit of a reference of in those opening that opening Tim Miller uh credit sequence because yeah. there's a whole <laughs> thing with the match and you know the immigrant song and which by the way that's just a really cool uh, little opening credit sequence.
0: It's an awesome uh-huh. um I, I it's an awesome visual experience um mm-hmm. in that like it's it's kind of difficult to see and it has this like shiny like black um like almost like oil like Mm -hmm, texture mm -hmm. to it it's really it's it's beautifully done and and i would say it's so classically fincher um in that like all of almost all of his movies um have this uh just really stylized opening sequence you know opening title sequence um and this is a great one i mean it's it's i think it's better than the fight club one i think it's better Mm -hmm. than um you know several of his
1: of his other movies but i think um, my favorite is the seven one yeah mine too um i I think this one in a way that the only thing about it that's a little i I think on on rewatch is that the the movie actually like it it sets up the movie as a little bit more satanic and a little bit more (laughs) like hardcore actually (laughs) than it really is yeah that's kind of true Um, even though i mean it is it is a it is a rough movie but um I think seven. It's a little more in tune, but nevertheless, I mean, it's still a cool way to open the movie. And obviously, anything with the immigrant song. And I really like the Karen O, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross uh, version of immigrant song. So
0: yeah, it's yeah. a well, it's an interesting kind of like more punk version too. You know, it's like something that mm-hmm. that she might be listening to, uh, mm-hmm. which I I just find that that to be kind of um, an yeah a, a funny funny little wrinkle on it um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean to me like the the i don't know it's weird because i understand obviously you can't take out the the rape sequence right um there's no way to do that and be not accused of like you know softening the the material i mean you
1: you could I mean, I, I, I always go back to the um, the link later, like the link later we made that short where like the executives are telling him like if you cut this, you wouldn't you know people wouldn't miss it. He's like, well, if I didn't make the movie, people wouldn't miss it either. like you could say that about any, you know I you know you could just have you know him hit her with the handcuff and then cut away. Um, you would still know what's yeah. happening. you would still understand it. Um, but would it make it better? I don't know. Fincher, the thing about Fincher is he likes to disturb you. He likes to show you things that are very upsetting. I mean, the yeah, Zodiac to scene push, at the beach. You know, he,
0: he likes to push a bit too. You know, mm-hmm. and I, th- mm-hmm. I think, I think there is a, um, I think that's probably why he was he was attracted to this. You know, source material was because this this definitely pushes a lot of boundaries and is is mm-hmm. very out there in that in that way that Fincher kind of likes to explore. So, um, I'm not, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think he, you know, I don't think it was possible for him to make this movie without, um, doing the rape scene. Um, Mm -hmm. in, and not that he, he, not that he like enjoyed it, I'm sure. But, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I, I, I think this is sort of, it's, it is kind of integral to the, to the source material, um, in a way that, um, is I'm conflicted about personally um, only because I think, I think if there was no rape scene, this would be a much more liked movie. This would be a much more accessible movie. Um, It'd be easy to recommend.
1: I mean, I am know <laughs> um, <laughs> and,
0: and it, and it would be something that I think would probably be more successful in the box office. I think there's no I doubt do. about that. Um, yeah. But, but I think, I think I do think if you took it out, um, there would also be a lot of consternation about that. And, um, so I, yeah, I, I mean, I, in some ways I commend Fincher for, um, understanding that I guess. Um, and, and being part of the, you know, he's remaking a Swedish film. Yes. Um, but he's not, doing it in the American way if that makes sense. So I do mm-hmm. appreciate that in terms of his uh ballsiness, I guess. Um you mm-hmm. know, he is he's totally um he's willing to push that that boundary even if it makes this
1: movie um a much harder sell. Mhm. I think I think it's uh, I mean it's much like 7 as well. 7 there's a lot of stuff where it would be you know, uh, a little bit easier to, to tell your grandma to watch it if, you know, <laughs> there you didn't have certain things happen. But, you know, it's also what, what makes the movie really, uh, you know, shake you up in a lot of ways. And I think, um, and as I said earlier, I think it also just makes her, uh, the, the, the trajectory she goes on as a character, putting aside it, just being in the book or whatever, just in terms of the movie itself, I think that the the heart, really the heartbreak of the ending, which let me be honest is kind of like the thing that stuck with me the most about this movie is mm. that that ending. Um, it, I think all of that has to do with those pieces that you're seeing in the beginning and her understanding her as a person who's adaptable as a survivor and who has gone through, I mean, about the most hellish, you know, 23 years of existence you could imagine. Um, and I think it, it makes it all the more hopeful. And then the, the hope you feel when she is um, sort of coming out of that shell and feeling like uh, she's able to evolve as a person and then getting that just hammer crush. coming down yeah. at the end is just so powerful. And and I mean, really, I find truly one of the most heartbreaking endings I've ever seen in of a movie. I mean, I find that just incredibly... Um, it's just it's just a devastating moment and it's and the way the way he plays it and the way the way Rooney Mara plays it um, and the way she plays her transformation too is so subtle. you know she's not mm-hmm. like um, she's not that different. you know it's it's just you see a small smile or you see like a little bit of her her you know um, the comfort she has around Daniel Craig when they start. yeah you know, I, sort I think of the moment in, for me engaging the relationship
0: the moment for me was, was she was, um, they're, they're p- finally putting together the pieces about, um, uh, the fact that she might still be alive. Um, and mm-hmm. she might still be, uh, there and they're sort of, um, uh, sitting in bed together. Um, and she, you know, he comes around and, and, and touches her. Um, and she says, um, and then, you know, he pulls away eventually, but she says, put your hand back in my shirt. Um, I knew,
1: I knew you were going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I. I love that moment.
0: Such an odd um, thing to say, but it's so, is so true to like her character in that she, it's almost like she's like, she's fighting with herself to um, be more accepting of like someone's Touch, you know and and like Mm -hmm. it and it's a it's a moment and and it totally shows the um the sort of structure of her change in that it's it's the same spot that you know the place that he's he's touching it's the same spot that she had this this giant bruise after you know her her sexual oh Um, Oh, that's
1: a good call Cameron and and it's
0: it's something that I that I notice where it's like she she's sort of given him um, this like she's like she's attached to him in that way you know she she mm-hmm. feels like he's he, he, almost like you know there's like safety with with him um, mm-hmm. and and it's surprising because she. Um, you know, for someone who who is very traumatized in what she um, has experienced, like she she had this sense of of comfort with uh, with Mikhail. um and and I I think you're right in that I I I don't know if I was emotionally um, moved necessarily by sort of the ending, but I definitely. I felt it more than than a lot of fincher movies where um she she's pretty devastated by this <laughs> interaction mm-hmm. where he kind of kind of is just treating her like another you know an- another like, another day you know another Tuesday Well just didn't mean
1: it didn't mean much to her to him. Um, right? I th- I think it's the because there's other great Fincher endings. There's no denying that. It's just, I think it's the aspect of, um, what makes it really heartbreaking is the aspect of a person, um, the, the feeling, because I think that's just something that every everyone experiences in some form in life, which is that the experience of, I've made it through something, I have gotten to the next place in my life, and then the realization that actually you're not there at all, and actually you're just... You're back to where you you were, and the the place, the really horrible place you thought you had uh, gone beyond. I think that that is, I think, is what makes it particularly affecting to me. Uh, on top of just you know, you're so invested in her as a character, and I think I think un, unlike a lot of or at least some Fincher movies, um, you like uh, actually like her as a person and you care about mm-hmm. her as a person you know I'll, some of his characters like <laughs> zuckerberg or like um jonathan groff's character in in mind these are characters who he definitely is regarding with a little bit of like spite you know yeah. a little bit of of like look at this guy you know um but this is a movie where um he it's 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 a very he has a very compassionate feeling towards her and you feel that by the way in the way when you look at something behind the scenes with the two of them you know there is a real there's a real sense of trust between them and you know she you know and there has to be for, for when you're acting in a movie that's you know where you're um you know in this such a in so many like vulnerable states that rooney mara uh, ends up in in the movie you know yeah. and it just there there's a real sense of um of I don't know of, of like caring about her and like wanting her to to uh, find something in her life and then seeing that ripped away and not even ripped away in a in a brutal way just in a apathetic right a carol- even, careless even, way yeah he doesn't even know what he's done you know yeah. it's it's just nothing and in a way I think it also just beautifully ties in with the rest of the movie of the idea of of um, like people. You can't really get past like people's natures, I guess. You know, like Harriet sort of thinking, "Oh, I get rid of this." In fact, it's kind of a similar thing, right? She gets, she kills her father, and she thinks, "I'm finally past that." And then it's just now it's her brother who's the one who's abusing her, right. and she thinks she can get away, but then he he comes back, and um, it's just like you, the, these, you know, you even Daniel Craig's character, even Mikhail is is not impervious to this kind of um you know he's not a horrible guy. he's 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 a pretty decent person he's he's not a, whor- a monster like these people but but even he um is is incapable of changing in in some ways like he, right, he is kind right, of the playboy kind of uh you know t- treating things and i also i think the movie um very intelligently shows him he he does care about the case and he's not he's not completely cynical about it but there is a cynical aspect to it which is that it's sort of a transactional relationship he has with Christopher Plummer yeah it 100%. is yeah. something he's doing just out of more of the motivation of and even when Christopher Plummer is like maybe dying Daniel Craig shows up and goes uh, you know I hate to be rude but like I need to get my information <laughs> from this guy and the family's like excuse me right um, right right but he's there, there's there's definitely um, an aspect of it for him that is is not as meaningful so it 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 really works and i think this is by the way the biggest thing this film has over the swedish version which is the swedish version has much more of a like a born identity ending where it basically ends with her having done the whole like screwing over of vennerstrom and it basically ends with her like walking away with her blonde wig like super cool and him realizing it was her. You can almost imagine the like Moby music at the end of, of the <laughs> Bourne movies coming in. And it's like a cool ending. Um, but this ending is, to me what it reminds me of a lot is it's like John, it reminds me of John Wayne at the end of The Searchers. Mm, it reminds yeah. me of this like, here is this woman who is the outlaw. She is like the person who is isolated from society, looked down on from society. And then has done this, you know, extraordinary act of heroism and saved young, you know, a person's life. And but then is, still is on the still, outskirts. She's still, yeah, and she's 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 almost there, you know. And it's like John Wayne in the doorway; he almost can go in, but he can't go in. And then he's he's off by by himself again. She rides off on the motorcycle. I just think um, it, it's oddly it's like a western ending, you know. Yeah, it's, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, No. Yeah.
0: That's, that's so true. Um, man. Yeah. What I like, I, I love, um, Mikhail's character because he is someone, like you said, who's not a bad person. Um, he's just sort of stuck in his ways. Um, and he's, he's impervious to change and, and, you know, Lisbeth, she trusts him, um, because she she sees him as like being opening up to to her and sort of taking a risk with her in um not being afraid of who she is and her skills you know in that way mm-hmm. and so she 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 sees him as sort of obviously she's suspicious at first and and sort of um standoffish you know when he when he first you know even gets to to her house and then as she joins the case, uh, she's still sort of on the outskirts um, and existing in that that way that she does with most of society. Um, but eventually, she's—I think she's more—it's—it's um, it's more like she she likes that he's impressed with with what she can do, um, mm-hmm. and she likes that he's he's allowing her to be who she is um, and not. Mm not being afraid of of you know what what she can do and not being uh put off by her sort of awkwardness um mm-hmm. she, you know he's he's genuinely impressed by you know her abilities in that way mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. so so there's this there's this like this like little dance that happens sort of midway through the movie of her um sort of Allowing him to to be a little bit more in in her life and hit him being more and more sort of impressed by by what she can bring uh, to, mm. you know, to the case. And and then, mm. you know, there is that moment when they uh, so they so he he gets shot at right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, Mm -hmm. he's grazed on his head, you know, he's, he's bleeding. And so she, she sews him up with, with dental floss and, which is a great Mm -hmm. scene. It's, uh, it could be one of my favorite scenes of the movie honestly
1: it's it's mm-hmm. so good he's, he's a little bit of a wuss about it too yeah it's yeah. <laughs> funny for Dan, daniel craig you think of as like the coolest guy ever but he's like oh did you disinfect that and yeah he's a little nervous
0: you know and she and she is she's like handling it like a like a champ basically you know mm-hmm. um and then you know for for some reason i guess that that sort of closeness and that intimacy of her like sewing him up um you know mm-hmm. I, I mean i I, th- I think that sort of lets her lets her in in that way um lets mm-hmm. her open up to to you know his character and and so was- well sorry what were you going to say
1: oh no i was, I was just going to say it was interesting listening to fincher on the commentary talking about that scene because he was saying it almost as if part of it was just she was like he was just in such a nervous wreck state and just kind of almost being annoying about how freaked out he was about the whole thing. <laughs> Part of it is like her just like, I just want to calm this guy down by having sex with him. Like that's a little bit of it. But I think there is also an aspect of it. That's that's what, we're, the, the, what you were saying and that the element of also the element of trust, you know, like he's shown that trust in her to, do this emergency right, surgery, right. which by the way, I, my favorite detail from the commentary is that when he says, you're not a doctor, when he kind of is standoffish <laughs> like that, apparently that's something Fincher's like kid said to him one time, you know, when <laughs> Fincher is doing something to him, he's like, you're not a doctor. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. But it 100%. is, it, it is like, there's intimacy. Also, it's kind of a little bit the like the Florence Nightingale sort of thing, you know, like taking care of someone um where where there's an intimacy gained and and I also just love that scene afterwards in the morning where it's like she's made him toast or whatever and it's just <laughs> like a piece of toast with butter but it's like for her like that's a real a- a- aspect of kind of um uh for that i mean that's an unusual thing for her i guess
0: well you've never seen her even eat before basically the entire movie she's like and, mm-hmm. and even when you know daniel craig brings her breakfast that uh, that first time that they meet and and mm-hmm. she's like she's basically like i don't
1: really I'm not hungry. You know, <laughs> Like the, the, she is excited. She is, she is, that's what gets her to sit down.
0: Right. But right. Right. Yeah. She,
1: she's, she's a little wary of what's going on still. Yeah. Um, um but in, in that point, and I think the other moment of, 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 real like trust between them, by the way, is, is when they, um, when he, she asked for a bunch of money so she can do her amazing, uh, whatever heist where she steals all <laughs> the money from, from the wealthy guy. Yeah. um, that 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 moment where he where she realizes like wow he trusts me enough he's gonna like wire me you know uh, thousands of dollars to do the, to do this thing, you that's one of the few moments where you he kind of lingers on her face a little bit seeing maybe like a little hint of a smile you know of of like wow this guy really you know really trusts me to do this and he really has respect for her you know right, right. in her well, entire life you know there's very few people who have had that.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's why, well, I I guess before I get to that, um, what I was going to say about sort of their, um, I guess that moment of, of, you know, her opening up and, you know, eventually, you know, having sex with, uh, with Mikhail is he, he does say, um, we shouldn't do this because we're coworkers. Um, you know, (laughs) and and it's sort of a foreshadowing of, um, what he thinks about this sort of, uh, relationship is that there's no, he, he doesn't see this really as like a prospect of, um, of the, you know, the future. This is sort of, he's, he's kind of hinting that this is kind of just an immediate, uh, transaction for him. And her response mm-hmm. is really telling. And that she said, well, it's worked out for you in your other <laughs> job. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> um, Which is also telling of what she she thinks, too, is that he, you know, you know, sure, it it messed up his life. And, you know, in in that way, but he is still with this this one woman, you know, maybe this will be a new sort of a new relationship for him that will be long Mm -hmm. lasting. So and and, but Mm -hmm. but it's telling that each of their own sort of reactions to what they're doing is is totally different in that he's saying we probably shouldn't do this it's not really you know a professional but he still does it anyways because he thinks it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's just expedient you know this is just w- what it is um yeah and and yeah. she doesn't she doesn't see it that way she sees it as sort of a gateway to you know maybe something something more uh more long lasting in in sort of their relationship um mm-hmm.
1: i mean i think it's casual at first like she you definitely see that she you know, craves kind of surface intimacy you know you see with yeah. a woman at the club and that sort of thing um but it but it develops into something more and also also just the intimacy of them working together or whatever i love the moment i think it might be before they have sex but there's a scene when he's at the computer and he kind of puts his arm around her and she like recoils and then he comes back around the other way and then he's on the computer and he, since he's doesn't, you know, like she's a computer genius and he's just like a regular guy. <laughs> he's going through, believer. Oh, how do I, uh, where did I, where, yeah, where did I put that? And you just see her looking at him like this goddamn idiot. Um, and, uh, it's just sort of, you know, there's a lot of fun sort of, uh, almost like buddy movie things between them. Yeah. Um, well, but well, I think there, there's this, Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I was, I was just going to say sort of, um, later on in terms of, um, again, what is, what is one of, also, one of my favorite scenes um, is her uh, <laughs> draining all of the um, all of the money out of this this businessman's accounts, and mm-hmm. um, it it that is that is such a great sequence because from the sort of asking, you know, she asks him for for fifty thousand um, dollars, and it's so um, it's so weird because this is like a conversation that. Um, if you had with like a casual person, this is like like it would it would just never happen, right? You know,
1: nobody. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go to you to say, <laughs> "Can I have fifty thousand dollars, please, Cameron?" Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just like crazy. And then you know, he's he's not even asking any like follow up questions about the investment. You know, and so like yeah. so she she asks for this um for this money, and he is so willing to give it that um he doesn't even really ask what she's going to do with it probably because he assumes that it's going to be illegal. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think, Mm -hmm. I think that's probably safe to assume with her, uh, prior reputation, but, um, but also I think because, um, he understands her skills and he knows that, you know, he knows she's kind of a savant in that way. So, Um, if she's asking for this amount of money, she probably has a pretty good plan for what she's going to do with it. Um, and he's, he's understanding. And, and also I think the other thing that maybe is missed by her, um, but is not missed by, by his own character is she, he's indebted to her for his life. Um, and I don't think she necessarily sees it that way but I, but he definitely does. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? So, so she Mm -hmm. doesn't, she doesn't see it as, um, I think, I think he almost Mm -hmm. sees it as like this woman, she saved me. I basically have to do whatever she says almost, you know, where Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, I, I'm, I'm pretty much like this. I, you know, my life was in this woman's hands.
1: So, so in someone's like you're saying, even though it's it's compassionate in his own way, it's in his head in a way, it's still kind of transactional. I think so. Yeah, she's not seeing it that way,
0: and and hmm. I think she, I don't think she sees it as as that you know that she saved his life. Um, I think she sees it as we were just on the brink of something um, too hot, basically. And I did Mm -hmm. what what I had to do, but, you know, pretty much like if I wasn't there, you know, a couple of seconds later, you know, this would have been, this would have been all over, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that I, um, that I saved you necessarily, but, um, we were just figuring this out and we happened to, to be able to get it. But, but he says to, um, to harriet he says you know someone saved me too and Mm -hmm. so she she i don't know that she necessarily sees it that way if that makes sense but i think Mm -hmm. i think he definitely does so i think there is an Mm -hmm. indebtedness um he feels he feels like there's um whatever whatever he can do basically Mm -hmm. whatever he needs yeah i think it's
1: I think that's, that's definitely true. And I think there's, there's an aspect to it that he, he does, he feels genuine like gratitude mm. and admiration for, for Elizabeth, But I think there's also an aspect of it that, that, um, the intimacy, in fact, you even see it in that scene where she says the thing about her father, which is kind of the most open moment she has the most mm-hmm. intimate moment they have in the film, emotionally speaking. Um, you see, it, it scares him a little bit. I mean, it scares him also just because it's like, oh wow, that's she tried to burn her father alive. But I think it's also the intimacy. Like his, he is a person whose relationships do not go very deep. You know, he's with Robin Wright with Erica, but you don't get the sense they're like that's like a deep relationship. It's a, it's a, it's a casual sexual relationship, and and even his relationships with with like his daughter mm-hmm. is definitely it's not it's not. Um, it's not um, unhealthy, but it's it. There's a there's a little bit of a distance you can see. It's not it's not a emotionally deep one. Yeah, and he's um, like wrapped
0: up with other things, and I think he uh, like there's a, a part where he kind of forgets what she's doing, even you know like and and mm-hmm. there's that little conversation where he's like, oh oh yeah, you know,
1: oh, <laughs> you know like <laughs> right, this is right. why you're here, you know, um yeah. But I think I think when he's with after all the stuff goes down also there's just the aspect it reminds me of like when you're on a film shoot or when you really work closely with someone you feel this sense of intimacy it's like why a lot of workplace relationships spring up because you're just in these tight quarters you know with someone and then once that goes away it's it's sort of diffused and i feel like um it becomes the relationship means a lot more to her than to him is ultimately what i'm saying yeah um you, you see that when when they're sort of meeting afterwards there's there's sort of like a neediness to her, which I think is interesting also the way, the way she plays it because it's, it' it kind of reminds me of like I don't know like when you have a uh, it's like your first time in a relationship or something like that where um, there's a I don't know like a really a real eagerness to please him in a lot of ways. even that moment, I love the moment where, where she, she saves him you know and she cuts him down from uh, the, the basement. And she goes, "May I kill him?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah go ahead." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, runs off. But it's almost like a sense of like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I gotta, you know, I'm gonna do what, you know, pl- pl- please, what he wants." And same, same with going through that whole thing with the blonde wig is kind of like her, like, "I'm this is a, all her doing, doing these things as an expression of of wanting to um, do something for him." Right, right, know?
0: exactly. Um, and that's which again makes it all the more tragic. It, that's what I was gonna say. It makes it makes that you know that sequence where not just did he. Um, or did, not just did she you know like the the gift the the leather coat right which is on the in its own a, a sort of a large uh <laughs> a, a big purchase and is something personal to him you know so it both has that mm-hmm, aspect mm-hmm. of um of being a personal and a uh, a big gift you know so it, yeah it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a very deep expression of of her love if that makes sense mm-hmm. um yeah. and on top of that compounded is that she literally spent you know probably weeks of her life uh doing <laughs> this like um, you know, it's almost like a wild goose chase, except she, you know, caught the goose, <laughs> the golden goose, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. of you know, basically being, you know, uh, a spy and you know, stealing all the money of, <laughs> um, of this, you know, enemy businessman, um, mm-hmm. and and she did that because he didn't feel satisfied with. Um, the conclusion of, you know, the information that he got, and mm-hmm. right. also probably, you know, I'm sure there's the the financial game. She <laughs>
1: she liked that mm-hmm. too, but um, yeah, but I but you get the sense it's more about it's it's more about it's a It's more thing. about the whole yeah yeah um oh God, the whole thing with she's buying the the jacket and the she's writing she's writing a little letter and the Christmas card just just kills me man just yeah. kills me um well we spent a giant percent just talking about this thread of the movie and this care i mean th- this is the thing i find most interesting is her character i mean the it's a great mystery movie i mean there's no denying all that stuff but um this is the part I, I i definitely that that was the thing i was most interested to talk about um but we should we should shuttle over a little bit at least to the just the um uh the whole deal with i mean can we just talk about christopher Plummer for a few minutes because yeah
0: yeah. Great. Man, um, love that guy. A great performance by him. I mean, he's always he's always excellent. I mean, everything that he plays. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I just love I love his, you know, being sort of the old um, aristocrat. You know, there's there's something mm-hmm. about that where, you know, he I don't know, he just exists in a different a different dimension than,
1: than we all do. I don't know. I mean, it's funny how he's a little bit of the knives out character in some ways, like this old rich guy who's just like sick of his family. Um, but I love this sort of, even with all the sort of horrifying stuff he's talking about, there's a real like wry sense of humor that he brings to the role and, and kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, this sort of genial quality that that's just delightful. And, and he's, and is just a great, a storyteller. Like I just love right, right. that whole sequence with the flashbacks is just, it's probably the scene of the movie. I I don't know if it's my favorite scene, but it's the scene I've watched the most times because I just love the way the the Fincher, like we were talking about with the social network, his ability to, to jump back and forth through time mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. create these montages of, of flashbacks is, um, he's, he's one of the best at
0: it. Right. Well, and I was going to say the, um, that reveal of, the flowers arriving every year, um, Mm -hmm. is, is really pretty powerful. And it's something that sort of wraps you into the, the mystery of, of the whole situation where, you know, Mm -hmm. he, I, I just love that. I love that, uh, uh, that, that part where he, you know, the, the, you know, she sent me these, um, Mm -hmm. But the killer sent me uh, sent me all of these, you know, and sort of it just uh. just reveals this this wall of of flowers, and it's it's so it's so perfectly done in in like the most Fincher esque way, you know. It's like yeah. it's like yeah. him going down into the basement, you know, or um, you know whatever that you know. Th- there's just like so many moments in Fincher movies where um, this. This informational reveal is yeah. so perfectly displayed.
1: I think I think the score is also really important in that scene as well, where there's a um, the, just the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, um, the way it builds up and builds up to that those little shots of the flowers and and Craig looking kind of astonished, um, just really really great stuff. Yeah, um, well, I mean, no, we t- we mentioned earlier just the whole procedural aspect of the of the mystery and the way he shows. You know, what could be very boring, you know, people going through papers or photographs and whatever. I mean, there's a whole moment where he, he sees the, uh, the the series of photographs where he he realizes she's looking at something is like so, so chilling and so well done. Right. Right. Um,
0: um, just yeah. Well, I, and and I would say there's there's an interesting element um, that I think is probably very um, Swedish in nature in that um you know half of the family is are like you know not Nazi sympathizers um mm-hmm. and half are kind of disgusted by the rest of their half the, the half of the family you know and and the tension between the you know the the factions almost um is very interesting and and I think probably like I said I think I think that probably is informed by the you know the original writers sort of own experience as you know, someone who who lived in Sweden, you know, post war, and it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, um, it seems like a time capsule. This this sort of element to the movie does, um, mm-hmm. where it's it's you know, you can sense that everybody is a little bit like, everybody's a little bit grossed out by the uh, the you know the Nazis in their family. Um, Mm -hmm. but nobody's really that grossed out by it. You know, it's kind of just a normal, Mm -hmm. um, normal, disgusting part of, of this, um, you know, upper class society. Um, and I don't know anything personally about sort of, um, how Sweden is with that, but I, I assume, you know, just based on, on. You know historical events. I I assume there's yeah there probably is is that in in a lot of cases yeah
1: even even still to this day I think there's there's definitely some some issues with that or there's there's always just that undercurrent and I always enjoy that in in any sort of mystery movie where there's like this just like this sort of sinister quality. I remember in the commentary he was comparing that. Uh, Daniel Craig driving up to that whole uh, complex of buildings almost as being like something out of Dracula, like mm-hmm. the arrival at the, at the castle or something. 100%. Because it, it's, it's super, super menacing, the way everything looks and also just the snow and everything. Um and it's also just another great plumber, I think it's later in the movie, but the great plumber scene where he's out in the snow and he's pointing to all the different family members. And he's like, he's like, ah, oh, this guy's a Nazi too. <laughs> if you can believe it Two in the family, you know, and he's talking about who, do, who doesn't, she doesn't talk to him and I don't talk to her because she talks to him. And uh, right, right, right. A, a, another great, just like pl- great plumber monologue. Um,
0: well, and, and I would, so um, I guess the interesting sort of wrinkle in the, uh the mystery element of the movie is that, mm-hmm. you know, this, the, almost the Nazism is an is kind of a red herring of you know what's actually sort of going on within w- you know mm. within the 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 killings and sort of what they put together, and mm. it really is sort of the the family business and the um you know the discretions allowed by you know sort of this this conglomerate that allowed for many years this. You know, series of abuses to go on. This
1: Guy to go around murdering people. Yeah, um, though I think it's you. Though you do get a little bit of a sense that that the the anti-Semitism. It's not even a sense. I think it is. It is an yeah, aspect of the murders themselves. They do say um, that, but it's
0: but it's not. But it isn't directly tied to who is the Nazi in the family, right? You know, it's
1: yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's the thing. Is like the, the the most dangerous guy is the guy <laughs> who seems really civilized and friendly. And and also the most modern, like he lives in the really like nice, sleek right, modern right, house. Right. But he's really the one who's most sinister. And the the old man who's like an open, like, I'm a Nazi. Like, what's wrong with that? You know. And he, the guy who's he's like sounds like Yoda. You know, he's like, um, it's like almost like the movie's saying, like, it's actually, you know, the, the guy who's more open about it. It's like, well, at least you know he's he's put his cards on the table. You know, we know what he's about. Yeah, and he makes and, and he and what's makes really a, scary
0: as the people are hiding it. He he uh, makes a great point where he says, um. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to hide my history, unlike everybody yeah. else. You know, not
1: the most honest man in Sweden. Right, right. That guy. <laughs> you know? That's a great one scene performance that guy. It,
0: it is. Yeah. And I, I love that scene, too, where, you know, because he he's sort of he's so jovial about, you know, his you know his life you know he's like he's like oh look this is me and you know in uniform and you know <laughs> me with hitler look at all these know? pictures yeah. you know want some tea you know <laughs> it's like he's so um he's so uh gentle about it whereas you know mm-hmm. they're even from the get-go i th- i think i mean i think maybe the first scene you see um well, what is the guy's name the, the who ends up being the main uh the oh killer? the killer was Stellan Skarsgård what's his name Stellan Skarsgård no no no. but what in the movie I forget oh Martin 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 yeah um you know I there's I feel like there's one scene with him where he he kind of seems like a like a good guy um Mm -hmm. and you know they they're kind of getting along and he seems like he's on the side for you know for sort of the first half of the movie he seems mm-hmm. like he's on the side, well, he,
1: the side of Daniel Craig, and, and he's cooperating. Like he's giving. He's like, yeah, they can go through the documents, and and he's also kind of the most friendly of the of the family. Right. Right. Though I was curious, actually, since you're seeing this for the first time. How how quickly did you? I did you? I thought. Think it was him from the beginning. I thought he
0: was. He kind of freaked me out. Yeah. Not, he's a little not just I mean, from not from the beginning. I mean, I think I think like the first. The first, like I said, the first scene you see, see with him, um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is, but but I I just I remember him like being a, like okay, and then the scene they have with the mother where she's basically like leave, you know, essentially, mm-hmm. um, like that scene, you know, he's on this side, but then after that, basically. I was like, this guy is there's something off about him, you know there's mm-hmm. there's something mm-hmm. very, very disturbed about <laughs> about his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this I think they, not that they give it away, but they definitely lean into how creepy his his house is and how scary <laughs> like that that sequence is is really scary it's like the scariest of the movie um when well, when he's when he goes in the house when he goes in the house and um and then he you know it it has that cutaway which is very interesting um because it's like a it's a non-perspective cutaway you know um uh-huh. where it shows it's it shows, it, it shows Stellan Skarsgård, uh, driving up to the, to the cottage.
1: Oh, oh, sure. Um,
0: oh, right. And then, and then you see him, you see him sort of drive back, um, and Daniel Craig's still in the house, you know, trying, and not, and then, you know, he sees the lights and he's like trying to get out. And he trips, mm-hmm. um, and that—that mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like that's like the He's scariest. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. The, the scariest thing in the movie, basically. Um, and and that yeah. that moment where he looks at the at the empty knife.
1: <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah, my yeah. goodness that's you know it's great. so good. <laughs> I mean, even though he knows, I mean, it's such a strange. It's kind of a strange moment because Craig willingly comes back. Um, even though he, he knows the guy's the murderer. I mean, like at this point the yeah. audience knows, everyone knows. Um, but it's just um, it's like what Stellen Skarsgård he says said, later yeah. in that in the basement. <laughs> he's like the you know, the fear of offending, uh, you wouldn't think it would be uh, stronger than the fear of pain, but <laughs> for whatever reason it is, which <laughs> right. is one of the best lines of the movie. Right, exactly. And uh, it's just a, yeah, that's a great great suspense scene. But I do agree I think it was hard for me to say because I can't really remember what I thought when I first saw the movie, um, but I, I definitely feel like well, first of all, just the casting of Stellan Skarsgård tips the hand a little bit because he's the most well-known, like other than the like the two leads and Plumber, he's the most well-known person in the cast, I think by far. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it tips its hand a little bit. I think it's one of the few things the Swedish version maybe is a little bit better is that Martin is a little bit less predictable I think they also do a little bit of a thing like a red herring where they say the murders have to be committed by a person of a certain age and they he eliminates anyone younger than a certain age because of course they're following the murders of Skarsgård's or or, uh, Martin's father right um so I think I think that probably is in terms of the mysteries, a little bit better. I kind of almost wondered if Fincher didn't really care that much because he just figured everyone has seen the Swedish one two years ago. <laughs> so he's like, well, I'm not really concealing a secret here. So maybe just you know don't bother with with that sort of thing. Um, but it does feel a little more predictable. I also feel, by the way, that the casting of the of the the rapist, you know, of of Lisbeth in the Swedish one is a little. He's a little more obviously sinister in the American one. I think in the, yeah, in the sweet one, he's super sinister he, I mean, he, from the you beginning see him for two seconds. You're like, this is, this guy is like Satan. And then <laughs> the, in the other one, he seems a little bit more like a, a bureaucrat, you know, and it's right, a little right, more, right, right. um, if you were seeing it for the first time, you'd be a little more surprised, I think. Um, well, I was going to say, yeah. um, you, this is
0: totally, it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but, um, the, who is the, uh, He's like the financial advisor or whatever he is, um, the like company oh, representative with the glasses. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They call him Fro- Froda or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, he, he really like his his voice. His voice reminded me so much of Michael Gambon. It was like actually huh, really? crazy. Yeah, I was like, "Is that the gu- is that the guy Gambon?" And he's he's not obviously, but um,
1: it was just like Dumbledore? so surprised. Michael Gambon, like yeah, Albus Dumbledore. Yeah,
0: um,
1: huh?
0: Yeah, I I I was like really surprised a couple times where I was like, "Wow, this guy he sounds just like Gambon." Like I was, <laughs> I, was
1: I don't know. Anyways, I'm puzzled by this Cameron. I don't. To me, it doesn't sound. I don't know I don't I think Gambon has having like a deeper voice but I don't know maybe maybe I'm just not hearing it
0: I don't know I'd, I don't know. I just I got surprised by uh his it was probably the inflection or something I don't know um Yeah
1: yeah or the or some thing of the accent yeah. or, I don't know who which of these cast members are American or it's it's a weird this is a, another weird thing of the American one is like having everyone speak English but with a Swedish accent like that's always a little bit of a silly, totally, a, a silly thing in American it's remakes. Very silly, <laughs> but but it's and I sometimes I think ultimately I think it's better to just do the like the Amadeus, just like have everyone speak in their or Death of Stalin also is another one, <laughs> just have everyone speak in their own accent. But I don't know, I don't it, it it's it's sort of neither here nor there for me. It's I fine, guess.
0: Uh, yeah. It's it is what it is. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what's interesting too is uh, uh, Donald Sumter. Um. Also, the same year ends up being in Game of Thrones. Um, Donald Sumter is Don't, he's he's uh Detective Morell. Um, oh, he's, he's the, like yeah, one he's of the, the old, uh, sort of people helping out in the you know in the town.
1: Or he's the guy, the retired cop yeah, who he yeah. interviews. Yeah, um,
0: okay. and and yeah, he plays like one of the um, I forget what his name is, uh, in. In Game of Thrones, but he's he's kind of a main guy in like the the first through second season, I think. He's he's um he's the maester of of uh um of Winterfell. He like he's he's basically like the the doctor of, of Winterfell. So um that was no, just an interesting sort of casting choice.
1: But I'll I'll take your word for it. Um, and then obviously
0: Robin Wright goes on to be uh, a major cast oh, yeah, member in, uh, yeah. in uh, House of Cards. So,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some weird casting where I think it's almost an in, in anticipation of there being sequels to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like Robin Wright has a pretty small role for her, you know. I mean, she's well known at the time. Um, and also Joel Kinnaman is like in for two seconds in the office of the magazine the millennium magazine and i think he he would have had a bigger role if they continued uh the series but yeah no it's a great it's a great cast all around i mean we definitely need to um i mean we talk we talk about the guy who plays the rapist i mean it's obvious he's creepy but i mean he does a great i I can't look at that guy without thinking about him in this movie i mean he's so terrifying um and when i see him in like a terrence malick movie i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> like my skin starts crawling. i'm sure he's a nice man but um, and then um, but the one i also want to highlight is is um well actually scarsguard the whole sequence where he takes him down to the basement is just great. so good. and <laughs> his whole like monologue and him talking about i also didn't realize the first time i watched it that he had a girl in the basement during the dinner, like when he had him over for dinner, I totally
0: noticed. You know what? That might have been the thing. That might have been what tripped my. Oh yeah. My, uh my. Said, there must like, be a brain. door open because it it sounds yeah. like screaming. You know. Yeah. And yeah. and I noticed it too on the other on the other end where, um, he there's a moment where uh, Daniel Craig opens the door, um. Mm-hmm. you know he's trying to get out he opens the door and it's very quiet and there's a little bit of like mm-hmm. wind whistling but it's mm-hmm. not a sharp screaming noise um that it, mm-hmm. it, that it was earlier Slightly on the mo- in the movie uh, um and yeah. <laughs> and so you know what we, what you would expect you know if they're setting that up to be you know mm-hmm. the the tell Cause that's, that's actually what I was expecting was he opens the door, it whistles and, you know, sort of howls and he's alerted. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not, which does kind of happen,
1: but yeah, it's, but it's
0: not the same sound
1: and it's just, he uh,
0: opens the door and he's able to, to get out, um, and yeah. is, you know, captured in a different way.
1: Um, mm-hmm. which is no, but, he, a but the reason
0: like a little thing.
1: The reason Martin goes to the door, though, is because it's a different door. The door he enters, yeah. I think, he leaves open a crack, and that's what you're hearing—the whistle. But it's it's when you go back and watch the dinner scene, you're like, no, that was a different sound, and it's and it's really well mixed because it sounds like it could be wind, but it also sounds like it could be a woman screaming, and it's one of those things. It's it's a lot like the. Um, the guy, you know, in Mother, when you roll back Mother, mm-hmm. and you, you see that shot where they show the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, don't <laughs> realize it. you go back, you're like, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> it's like the most terrifying thing ever. Um, it's just, it's just, that's just fantastic. But I, but yeah, Skarsgård is just such a great villain in the way. He's so, like, cool in his skin and so kind of, um, like, calm. And um, I also just like the aspect of it that he's... It's like he's emulating his father, but he's also kind of disgusted by him and and he wants to like his father was a flamboyant murderer and like did these murders where he you know left out the bodies and had all this sort of evidence. and then Skarsgård is like wants to do the same thing, but it's like in a shameful way like he's like, I want to hide everything. I want no one to know about this. I don't want to be the flamboyant. I don't want to be like my father, but he's exactly like his father. yeah, and I think in some ways that. That you know uh, taps into a lot of what's you know going on the the just the themes of family throughout the whole movie, Um, but that's great. And then when they oh my god when they when they kick in the Enya, which I believe was uh, Daniel Craig's suggestion. Uh, Daniel Craig was the one who suggested playing Orinoco (laughs) Flow, and uh, (laughs) it's just it's just perfect. It's just one of those needle drops that's (laughs) just just and he puts the bag over his head is is fantastic. Yeah. Well.
0: I think we should wrap it up. We've been going for an hour 45, so. Um,
1: oh my God. Yeah, but. Well, that's, oh, oh, can I say one more thing? I just wanted to mention. The, the actress who plays Harriet, Jolie Richardson, that's a great, mm-hmm. that's a great small performance. And that whole sequence, I mean, I didn't even really get to the whole, the part of the movie that I find like, that's most touching, one of the most affecting things he's ever filmed is her, the story of her escape, and then into, um when the reunion with Plummer yes. is just incredible, um, yeah, acting. It's a great,
0: yeah, it's a great moment between the two of them because there's, there isn't the classic like, oh my gosh, you're a, li-, you know, it's just sort of just this mm-hmm. tender realization um, that mm-hmm.
1: I think, and he gives you just enough of it, and he kind of pulls away, yeah. Um, but it's it's still very impactful. And then of course, just the whole thing of Anita getting her out and and that whole aspect of escaping from the family, the way that dovetails with with Elizabeth's story. Um, it's just it's just beautifully uh, well done. And, and we're talking all about Fincher and whatever, but I think uh, one other thing I want to give credit to is um, Stephen Zalian, who wrote the movie. Because Stephen Zalian, like, I say that name, D- could you tell me one movie that Stephen Zalian wrote? Nope. Like, no one no one knows who Stephen Zalian is. But this guy is quietly an incredible... Uh, screenwriter he's made a lot of written a lot of movies but like including schindler's list the irishman i mean he's written <laughs> right. like one of the best movies of three of our best directors. Sure, so sure, you know sure. he deserves he also co-wrote moneyball and he he definitely deserves some due because the the way the dialogue crackles and the way this yeah. sort of you know the very very complex story is is laid out in a coherent way in this in this movie um it's just it's just it's just beautifully crafted and, and a lot of that's fincher but but Credit should be given to him as well. Yeah. So, hundred percent. As, as Fincher, as Fincher made very important in the film Mank, it's always important to credit the, yeah, <laughs> the screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well.
0: Um, yeah. I. I. It's been a. It's been a great discussion. On, honestly, you know, I would. This movie is like complex in my mind. It it has. Many things that I would not recommend to people, but I think overall there's there's so much that. If you dive really deep into the the subject matter and sort of pull away the like thematically, it's such a dense movie um, that mm-hmm. if you're if you're interested in something that's so that's you know deep on sort of a, a, a different level, um, I would recommend this to you. So um, mm-hmm. it's a it's a I'm glad that I was finally able to see it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's wonderful. All right, well. Um, We'll talk to you guys next week. I think we're going to do Gone Girl. Looking forward to it.